early, early 2000s, Avril Lavigne? Yes. Queen. Jesus. Reina. Hit, hit after hit. Reina. Oh, I don't know why I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Oh. I always play this song so I make fun of him. Especially this part right here. What up, mi gente? It's Vero Fuerte. Yo, the Procaro Americano, a.k.a. Mexican Nazi. And we're here to help you navigate the world as two Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, brown people. What are we again? Well, that's what we're here to discover on the In the Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In Living, Living Spanglish, Spanglish podcast. podcast. Yo, what up? Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Living Spanglish. I am your host, Vero Fuerte, and here with me once again is my partner in crime. I just I just want you to know, I just want you and your beautiful soul, Ricardo Mexicano. <laughs> Yo, what are you what are you doing? You can't you can't come out the gate like that. I'm trying to be Sweet and referential yo, all at the stop. same time. Yo, yo, you're yeah. a sweetheart for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, uh, I like it's a Jesse McCartney reference. Yeah, but still, I'll take it. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, whatever, because that's the closest thing to a sincere, com- to a sincere compliment you'll actually get from me. So yes, of because everything it. else is very, very deadpan uh-huh, and uh-huh. unsincere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, uh, how's everybody doing? You already know what it is. Uh, Ricardo Mexicano, best last name in the world. Our baby, baby R. Do I really have to go through the list of names? You know, you know what it is. T- uh, you know, I'm, I'm TRL with them. Total. Hey, how are you feeling, by the way? I total never... requested live. Total, total requested. What live. does that mean? TRL. That was remember the, the music. Is video? that what that's? Yeah, for? total request live. Mm-hmm. I never knew what TRL stood for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Fun fact is that I never really watched TRL that much growing up. I remember my older prima, the number one Britney Spears fan in all of the world. And so she would get up really early in the morning and she would watch TRL and she, uh, no, TRL came on like after school, right? It came out on 3 p.m. I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was yeah. like right before it was like right before we got out of school. Uh-huh. But as soon as you got home, you'll be like in the middle of it. See, and I remember <laughs> I remember and but she was like all into all of the pop, like Britney Spears, TRL, all of that. And I remember um being a little kid because she was like four years older than me. I think I was like five or six at the time. I would want to watch Care Bears. Uh and she would want to change it to TRL. I would start complaining. I'm like, I don't know and I would say Suni, I don't know. Like, why do you keep wanting to watch rock all the time? Rock is stupid. Like, I would call Britney Spears, hit me, baby, one more time, rock music. Because I just wanted her to change it back to my freaking Care Bears. I was really annoyed with her at the time. It sucked. (laughs) Yeah. I used to watch that all the time. Which Uh, one? TRL or Care Bears? uh, TRL. Okay, no Care Bears? Okay. No, no Care Bears. No, no Care Bears. Shout out to them, though. But no Care Bears. Um, TRL, 106 in Park. Uh, there was another music video blog on MTV2 I used to watch, but I can't remember the name. But that's beside the point. You were going to say something. How do I feel about something you were going to say? Oh, yeah. No, I was going to ask you, how are you feeling this morning? Because I never asked you if you had any sort of hangover or anything like that from last night. No. 
No, like, like I told you, like, so uh, me and uh, Veronica went out uh, last night to a... Um, jazz club. To a jazz... It was like a jazz club slash your typical nightclub that plays, you know, top 40 hits. It was really cool because it was actually divided in half, right? Yeah, it was like... It, like, the, the, the thing itself wasn't divided, but if you go into one room, it'd be like a very smooth j- live band jazz, you know, going on. People, you know, drinking, eating, having a good time. And then as soon as you step through the other door... You, it would be like your typical like nightclub playing, you know, the hits, playing some like like uh, some some underground classics, and you know, pool table in the bag, just people, you know, dancing, having a good time. So it was a, it was really a very unique atmosphere I've never seen. No, I don't I didn't feel um hungover or anything like that because like I said, I think so, so the drinks were to me at least were very watered down. Mm-hmm. Both of the drinks I had just really. But didn't. you also forget that like I was way more out of it than you are but at the same time i'm also like a whole foot shorter than you are yeah but like you uh, but i've had drinks at clubs before i've I've done it to where like i had to drink or two and I, I was like tipsy you know i was feeling good but this time i was like i felt it a little i felt the buzz that was pretty much it though just the buzz and you know as the night progressed i just felt fine by the end I of the think night i was so the thing that i was the most were you really out of it i really didn't notice i, I mean like really i mean i wasn't out of it like pancake day out of it like pancake night that was a whole different thing. Uh, but we're not going to get into that. That's a story for another podcast, folks. But I was just so excited to see live music. It's been, I, I almost said years, but it's been months and months ever since, like, all this craziness between, like, 2021. I am so ready to go to a concert again. I'm so ready to finish up these vaccinations. And I'm so, I'm just, I'm ready you know, to get back out there. So just to be able to see a, a live band, even if it was from, you know, like quite a distance away, like it was just so really, it was really refreshing. Um, and, and I I really loved it. I really loved it. And I really enjoyed myself. I did. I was feeling it in the morning, though, like for real, for real. That's why I went on that two mile walk, because I was like, you know what? Like, I need a. You're telling me Veronica Perez, the woman that claims she never gets hang hangover. I didn't. Okay, I don't get hangovers. I do not get hangovers. But it was like, so you know the hangovers that you see on TV where like everyone has like a raging headache and they feel like kind of like sleepy and out of it or whatever. Like that, I've never experienced that. I think this was the closest time that I've ever had a hangover where I was walking and I just, I felt a little out of it. But... I don't know, you you know you see something on TV and you expect it to be worse than it is, so maybe it was like my first mild hangover. I think that's what it was. It was a hangover. Whatever. Call it mild, whatever. It whatever, was a homie. And, and that's TV. TV exaggerates. Like most so? ha- Most hangovers aren't like this like grueling process where your head is like throbbing at a thousand uh. miles per hour. It's, it's usually like just grogginess and you're like, oh man, I feel like I'm dehydrated. That's pretty much it. Oh, well then I've been hangover like a handful of times then. I yeah. literally thought I had to be basically on my deathbed. No, that's like, that's like being like freaking nearly, I don't know. Like that, that is hangover court, but that's like. Okay, on a, well on then a- every rom-com after like a night in the, like romping around in the sack after a night in the club has lied to me then. Love and basketball has lied to me. Like Hitch has lied to me. Did Hitch have like a hangover scene? can't remember i know they had a benadryl scene you know with will smith's like face entirely swells up yeah because oh of the God. food yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, allergies yeah, yeah 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 i remember that but i mean come on vettel it's rom-coms yeah, yeah all yeah. of them lie to you all no it's all based in reality okay it's a seed of reality that blossoms into like a blissful exaggeration that like us girls 
you know, uh, chase after for the rest of my it life. It blossoms into a lotus of lies. Yeah, a lotus. Oh, that's a good one. I love that. I'm going to use that. Lotus of lies. But, um, okay, so what we have first on the docket, human beings, we have Latinx birthday. So happy, happy birthday to the only person that matters. We actually tried to look up uh, more birthdays for this week for you guys. And then we realized, you know what? Selena was born this week. So everybody else, I'm sorry, you can take a back seat. So happy, happy birthday, Selena. Uh, she was born on April 16th. Coincidentally, it was uh, deemed National Selena Day. So happy, happy birthday, you know, posthumously, of course, to her. Uh, and a news attachment to that, Selena, the series returns on Netflix starting May the 4th. So it has been renewed for a second season. So happy, happy birthday to her and uh, congratulations to Susie Crabgrass. Now, was this technically season two or is this season one, part two? Can I remember? They said, that they said if you remember on the listing on Netflix, it was listed as part one. So I wonder if this is actually hmm. like a true season two or just that part two. That I mean, whatever they want to call it. All, all I know is that I'm getting like more Selena content out of it and I'm living for it and I'm here for it. And I am super, super excited. By the way, if you guys uh, are huge Selena fans, then outside of the Selena, the series Netflix, also please um, check out the Anything for Selena's podcast. It is remarkable. I'm sure uh, it's definitely on Spotify. I'm sure it's on iTunes. You wouldn't regret it. It basically breaks down like the entire history of Selena. It has like interviews from her dad and all of that. And a lot of really famous, really important Latinx like um, idols like Jessica uh, Selgado, the Salvadorian poet, and uh, Maria Hinojosa, the reporter from Chicago, all of that. Uh, they guest star in a lot of just like the backtracking of Selena's history and her impact in the Latinx community. And uh, it's a really wonderful podcast that I don't feel like a lot of people know about. So this is me plugging another podcast in our podcast. I don't know if that's smart, but there you have it. It's just sharing the love. Yeah, Nothing. yeah, yeah, sure. There's enough years to go around. There's a, You guys each have two of them. Use one for their podcast, use another one for ours, if that's how that works. Mm -hmm. What do we have next on the docket, Ricardo? I feel like a lot of time we try to stay pretty, like, nuanced and specific on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, and, and, you know, and the reason we do that, folks, is because we, we, I, me and Veronica, we pride ourselves on this, like, notion that there are certain stories that have always existed within the Latin community, but they just are never really spoken for. Mm -hmm. and and maybe they were seen maybe in another community maybe it'd be the black community maybe the Asian community but you have never seen it represented in a way that you wanted to possibly heard the latino take on it yeah. exactly and you know and if you did see those other takes and you and you gravitate toward them then you know good on you at least you have something that you could like you know attach yourself to and but honestly that's like a huge reason that this podcast was even birthed is because we wanted to go ahead and actually give our voice in the minority group to all of these subjects that yes they've already been talked about but they haven't been talked about through our perspective exactly through our filter mm -hmm. the concept the theory maybe of what it is to be a black sheep within the latinx community particularly uh, uh somebody that has maybe a creative side to them and maybe that creativity uh was maybe outcasted due to the family they were in maybe to the group of friends they associated with that they just felt that they in a very traditional minority family yeah you can feel like an outsider yeah that you weren't 
the same as the people that were literally blood, you know, mm-hmm. and just how that can like sometimes have a a a, 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 a everlasting impact on you, you know. Uh, I don't want. I don't think going as far as to say maybe trauma is the right word, but I mean it depends on the severity. Exactly. It depends on how much like growing up, you know, with your uh, brothers and sisters and primos and primas and your tios and tias, how much you know how much you actually fit in and to what extent you were ostracized you know exactly and maybe not even ostracized you know maybe even that's putting yeah, it a little a, bit there's different severities to it there is yeah but i think early on i think a lot of um latin kids hispanic kids are kind of enforce rein- and, and constantly reinforce this particular way of being uh a latino you know mm-hmm. whether it be consciously or subconsciously there, there are certain Thing. And, and I'm pretty sure it's happened in all, in all different types of communities where it's instilled from you very early on that this is how we do it. There's a traditional sense of it. And I mean, it, it comes from a good place. It comes from a place that as you get older, you have to figure out how to balance out because at the end of the day, it's pride. You know, yeah, it's that exactly. Latino pride. Exactly. And I was about to say, that was mm-hmm. literally what I was about to bring up next is that that pride is probably one of the strongest if not the strongest thing that the Hispanic community holds near and dear to the to yeah, there because there skippy. is there is nothing better than being like this this skin color than being from whatever country you're from you know whether it be Mexico all the way down to Central and South America being that rich chocolatey brown bruh that there's one nothing for the world that, yeah that there's nothing better than what you come from and that nothing else can match it like that's a that's 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 a pride that that has like no no, no like equivalent. No equivalent. No equivalent, but no like actual like quantifiable like measurements. Mm-hmm. You know, for that level of like pride that like just shoots through the roof and like you know knocks down the moon in in the process. So when you have that level of pride and when you have these custom and tradition that are instilled from very early age, it's very hard for you to think to yourself that what to do anything different is even right. You know, to have have these ideas, to have these aspirations, to have this need to create, you know, whether and whatever that spark may initially be that 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 pulls you to create is something that ultimately is very it can be very uh, it can beat you down, you know, especially if you have people that tell you that that's not right. You know, it's one thing to maybe feel that you're that, that yourself, that you're not a part of something, but it's another to have the people that are closest to you to tell you that you're not supposed to do that or that what you're doing is a waste of time. Or we've heard it plenty of times before. That's white people stuff. Mm. Oh, you just, you just got me with that phrase, bruh. You got me with that phrase. And I, I, I literally, I remember so many times growing up feeling like, and I mean, it basically comes down to this idea that, this sort of regression because here on the podcast we've talked a lot about what it feels to at, at least in my case what it feels to sometimes reject our culture growing up and i and we talked about it mostly in reference to me of course that rejection came out of almost like a d- defense mechanism you know it's because you don't feel like you fit in in the first place so it's that whole you can't fire me i quit sort of thing and yeah like i i remember when i was little and i just from the very beginning, I couldn't. I I realized that there weren't a whole lot of things that I had in common with my mom and my brother, 
and they were the majority of people that I grew up with, uh, along with, you know, my grandmother, my aunts and uncles and all of them. Like, I had a huge fascination with, like, reading and the arts and just, and, like, learning about things that, I mean, they didn't give a damn about. And it's not that, you know, it made them any more or less smart or anything like that. I mean, not through my eyes, but in their eyes, I feel like it made me less Mexican. And ha- did you ever like growing up? Maybe it's different because your brothers are have a lot of com a lot in common with you. I didn't have anyone that had a lot in common with me and my family. So growing up, whenever your mom or your tias would introduce you to to like their conocidos or their neighbors like in bailes or in different get-togethers they'd be like oh this is ricardo he's uh he's the smart one in the family or he's the weird one in the family or he's the you know or he's the artsy one in the family you know did they ever like put that label on you no no because my family did that all the time no they never, they never put a label on me as far as like that to that mm-hmm. extent i think for me just to kind of talk about my perspective when it comes mm-hmm. to like being that quote-unquote black sheep of that it was never that i never had anything in common with my with my mom dad or brothers uh because i did have a lot in common but yeah i think it was also this need that like like we stated before this this very deep-rooted traditionalism that i guess i rebelled against a lot mm-hmm. of time and it wasn't so much that i couldn't relate or i rejected my culture but it's that i wanted more than that in what sense, like what traditionalism was it that you rejected? Was it of like of like you know certain or? certain certain music of like como, uh, like, como like you know the, the, like corridos you know duranguense um all that stuff you know rancheras you know mariachi uh not to, and like I said not not that I hated like, it fuck that give me my p diddy exactly. no not even, no <laughs> don't. that's the worst example you could bring up no shout out, <laughs> shout out to diddy but that's not the first first person I would think of yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. but it was like just certain things like that certain mm-hmm. things like bailes. Uh, Haripeo that I really wasn't into like that. I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong. You didn't get dragged to Haripeo's I got, I, got, I always got dragged No, no, to that, that's the thing. Of course I got dragged to them, but yeah. I, that wasn't my forte. That wasn't my cup of tea. I, it's yeah, just like I was always looking for more. So for me, I gravitated towards, you know, hip-hop. I got to tra- gravitate towards people who like to draw a lot. And just certain things like band, you know, music, you know, uh, even orchestra. You know, I did that yeah. like in sixth grade. Like there was just certain things that I prefer doing that. Your family didn't get. And not so much they didn't get it. I mean, maybe they didn't get it, but it was it was just kind of like they didn't know how to like not so much accept it, but just not really know what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And because all they all the, all they knew their whole life was this, and I was more interested in that. It's a very fine balance of like, as much as I don't want to reject where I come from and how much I love that, mm-hmm. I wanted to always find who I was and what I was really interested in, and 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 go towards that a lot more than just what has been around and what most people, because there would be people at, at school that would talk about certain things. I don't know what it is. You know, I'd be in the know, but it's just like, I didn't care. Like, I didn't, what do you mean? Do you mean like in the sense of like Harry Pills or do you just, mean just the, every, everything. The, the, the next quinceañera. The, the like TV, TV shows, the music, the, uh, the, the parties. Yeah. All that. Uh-huh. I'm just like, I really like, I know what it is. Like, because, because like, you know me, you know me well, better. you know how I pay attention to things. And that's how yeah, I, I mean, back but then. it's also like, it's, it's the world that we live in. So we have, even if we are not interested in it, even if we don't know certain novelas, like we never sat down and we watched the whole season of um, Reina del Sur, which was my grandfather's jam. Like you asked Papa Ne about La Reina del Sur. Like he, 
he will talk your ear off about it. But even though I never personally sat down and watched a full season of it, I know enough about the vague plot because of our peripheral attention. We are born into this world and, you know, we're proud of it. You know, th th these are our people. Th these are the these are the traditions and the culture and that that we're born into and that we love but we also have interests and stuff like beyond that and how you phrased it a, a little while ago when you said that you were interested in things more than that i don't necessarily think that you mean more in the sense of like that haripeos and quinceañeras and novelas and all of that weren't quote-unquote enough not more just different yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and also like just exploring. Yeah, exploring what else is out there and that what can possibly um, grab your attention. You yeah, know? yeah, and but like with that comes a lot of friction because I just I remember, like for example, okay, my my brother he's been playing soccer since he was four years old. I remember that my mom tried to register me at the same time at the age of eight. She's like, Vero, are you sure you don't want to play soccer? And I was the most unathletic. Like, I would rather have my nose stuck in a book for hours before, you know, going outside and playing soccer. At the end of the day, my brother ended up playing soccer for years, you know, and he ended up going to all the soccer camps. And my mom ended up, you know, being a soccer mom and chauffeuring him all over the place. And because of all that time that they spent together, they got really, really close. Like, the soccer became like their bonding glue of this particular thing, you know, that was very, very Hispanic. They were surrounded by other Mexican moms and, like, Mexican kids all of the time, you know. And I just, I couldn't give a damn, you know. I couldn't give a rip. You know, I cared about theater. I cared about other stuff. And because of that, like, I always felt, in the sense of, like, what we're coming back to with the whole, like, black sheep and feeling ostracized and stuff, I don't feel like they meant to do that. I don't feel like my brother and my mom did it intentionally, but it was just the nature of the beast because they had something in common that both connected them to each other and connected them to the culture of football. And, you know, and they would watch, like, the, the, the football, like, in the Olympics and, like, um, uh, what's it called? The World Cup, right? Soccer? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. World Cup. Um, they would watch all of that stuff and they would bond. And me and my mom, and me and my mom didn't have that, you know? And me and my brother didn't have that. And so because of naturally of, of just because of the nature of that i felt like the outsider i felt like the black sheep because nobody nobody liked what i liked and i couldn't share my interests and i didn't think that they would understand you know yeah i get that and one thing just came to mind is that i don't think really when i even think about it till now that my parents really ever not so much that they never accepted it but i don't think they really know like what me and my brothers were into because I think they ultimately want us to be happy and, you know, be, you know, somebody in life and what were, what made us who we are, you know, whether it be the arts, whether it be, uh, you know, certain events in our life, I think it's almost secondary to them. Not, and not secondary in, in a bad sense, but like secondary to where I come from, from like, and I'm just kind of like speaking for them and a little bit that, th that, you know, they come from such a different world that they may never understand what caught my eye to like anime or things like things of that nature. But they does your mom still call like anime like uh, like my grandmother did caricaturas? Yeah, it's just yeah, still like, just like cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I've been watching your caricaturas. But I also, yeah, yeah. But I've also been able to like you know put her up on game. <laughs> 
and, like, and like tell her like no this stuff from japan like she gets uh-huh. it now you know like she she from can like Lapon. but she, she may not even like she off, off the first rip she probably won't but as soon yeah. as i like started playing like mom this isn't from <laughs> this isn't from uh this isn't regular cartoons from japan uh-huh. uh you know so like we have like the little like little be like one two minute conversation yeah, about yeah, it yeah. or you school your mom on what's up yeah exactly yeah but like but like i said it was i think it was because things were so left field mm-hmm. of like what they knew Mm-hmm. And just being like parents to kids born in America, and us being like interested in things that just wasn't what they knew. It, 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 I think, I think for them it could be a lot. Not so, and 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 I and I can remember some of the instances where it was like us being like super rebellious because we didn't want to do certain things that they wanted to do, and and because we were so ingrained in like. No, we like rap. We like anime. We it's like American assimilation. We like know? rock. Like- you know, we like metal. You know, when they were trying to preserve, whether they realize it or not, they were trying to preserve their traditionalism. They were trying to take you to what they knew life was, the haripel, like the the roots. I mean, uh, like your parents came from Mexico, you know, and they wanted to, I mean, whether they were super aware of it or not, they wanted to keep some of that within you guys. And like, uh, and whether you guys knew it or not, like some of that American assimilation just naturally, just because of the environment that you were in, that's just sort of what happens and there's that like weird divide between parents and between you know like son or daughter when it comes to that yeah yeah for sure and by the way my mom would never drive me to hottie bayo she's a god-fearing woman and she would never she doesn't do anything like that okay so she, i'm pretty sure she i know she went to them when she was a kid but uh, as, a, as a mother she was not gonna drive me that, that's more my dad wait 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 so what wait so what do you mean god-fearing woman like my uh, mom's a christian woman she doesn't go to things like that well, what's wrong with Hattie Bills? Well, because they can get, like, rowdy and drunk and, like, people are, like, you know, possibly doing drugs and stuff like that. It oh, can, I it, didn't know the thing about yeah, the drugs. Yeah. Like, I always knew, like, my grandparents always dragged me to the Hattie Bills, right? And I, what broke my heart about the Hattie Bills, like, the, you were right, because all the grown-ups would be, like, sitting on the bleachers, you know, like, getting drunk or, like, eating the nachos or whatever, right? And all the kids, what were all the kids doing? They were all, like, underneath the bleachers, running around, you know, probably making out with some random guy that they, like, met, like, 20 minutes ago. Or whatever. Okay, the teenagers. Whatever. Okay. But all the kids would be running around unsupervised, just, like, sin- uh, just like playing and right, right? Bruh. I, I don't... That's something that I'll never be able to, like, justify is, like, the bullfighting y todo eso. Like, my grandpapa, he's still, whenever he's bored at the house, he still watches videos of the haripels and just watches people just, like, antagonize these animals. Like, and I just can't. I know that's very, like, anti-Mexican, like, super American hipster-esque of me, but it just, like, it breaks my heart. I can't do it. No, nah, you can't think along those lines because I'm pretty sure there are the people in Mexico who couldn't care less about a jaripeo themselves. So, I mean, like I said, you, you can't think it about those. It might be a Tex-Mex thing. So, are jaripeos, like... No, they're down in Mexico. Really? They're super popular. I didn't know that. I thought, like, maybe it was, a, like, a Texas thing. I know it's definitely in Well, I mean, I mean, Texas, you have bullfighting. Yeah, and it's yeah, kind of, yeah. like, the same thing, in a way. Yeah, Even yeah, though, yeah, But jaripeos, yeah. it's not just bulls. It's, it's also horses, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to bring up one more point. I would always try to find that balance, like I said. So, like, even though I would, like, be having these vastly different interests that maybe my family didn't know off the rip, I would still strive to, like, be that son that I guess maybe showed some interest. Proud of. Like, yeah, like, and not so much that I was trying to make him proud, but it was like, hey, I kind of get this. Mm-hmm. Like, like I would do, I did soccer for, like, literally, like, a year, <laughs> you know? And I kind of dropped it just because, like, I don't really want to be doing this. Like, it was mm-hmm. fun, but really don't want to be doing this for, like, the next four years of my life. 
I used to sell freaking ice cream. Uh, with Aww, me, me, you slung helados. Me and Eric pushing the little the little car at the horse race. You races. an helado boy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Eric. That's Eric all day. Me and him were pushing a that big, is a, so dope. a big, a big, you know, like the the carreta, uh, through the through this through the sand and dirt at the horse races. Uh, and that's my dad would take me, and we would be there all day from like twelve to from like noon to like six p.m. in the hot sun, you know. Really get it, getting this money so we can split it, uh, split it with each other, and then you know go buy whatever, um, and you know other stuff like that. So like, like I said, I was always trying to like play both sides, and I feel like to an extent I did okay, you know, yeah. uh, whether they looked at that in a way of like me intentionally trying to make them proud or not, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I for myself, I know I did. I consciously always made that effort to be seen by both. And I, and I yeah. feel like I feel like that's that's something that a lot of people try to, and maybe not that maybe they're not as successful, quote unquote successful as me because I feel like I did. So uh, to play both sides, I did an okay job of like being, you know, Mexican in high, enough for the Mexicans, yeah. and American enough for the Americans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to quote uh, the Selena movie, mm-hmm. I th- I think that with me, basically, what it came down to is that. Like, being Hispanic and being Latino and being Mexican, like, that was always, like, a very obvious part of my life. A part of my life that I couldn't escape from even if I wanted to. And there was sometimes where, I'll be honest, sometimes I did. I did want to escape from it. Just in the sense of, like, I didn't agree with so much of... Maybe this was part of me being a rebellious kid. Again, so, uh, again the whole, like, black sheep thing. Like, I... There were so many philosophies behind our traditionalism that I didn't agree with. And because of that, sometimes I found myself just rejecting the whole thing. But to your point, like you said, is that there comes a time where you start to accept the fact that you can be both and that you can balance both and that you can have both in your life in your own way. That's something that I'm really coming to terms with like right now more than anything else. Even though, like you said, some people come to terms with it a lot sooner in life a lot later in life so everyone's different for sure yep yep uh veronica i have a question what do kelly clarkson the all-american rejects and my chemical romance all have in common uh the fact that they're white girl anthems perhaps and how do you define a white girl anthem i would say a white girl anthem is an anthem that your best friend ashley and alex and Caitlin Me- and Caitlin and Megan all love to sing at the at the top of their lungs uh in the back of PE class when we were supposed to be like walking or running laps but we were really all like sharing headphones on the iPod you know or in the parking lot of the only Dairy Queen in town uh-huh uh-huh exactamundo exactamundo Oh my gosh, like, I kid you not, okay, and like, this is not me bashing on white girl anthems at all. Look, I told you that I kind of have a problem with it now about that name, because I'm like, mm-hmm. do we really got to call, like, I get it for the segment, it's white girl anthems all day and all night, but I'm like, they're just really good songs at the end of the day, they you know? They are, because they are pop earworms, they really are, and I don't care who you are, if you can't get down with at least one Avril Lavigne song, like... You need to be institutionalized, or something is severely wrong. With yeah, like you. I said, like we were listening to like "Come Clean" mm-hmm. by Hilary Duff. Mm-hmm. Took me back. Metamorphosis, bruh. Yeah, Metamorphosis. You that know that album slaps. Not as much as her uh, self-titled album "Hilary Duff" by Hilary Duff. That one is the best. But uh, what's it called? Uh, Lindsay Lohan by Lindsay Lohan. 
that is probably one of my favorite Disney Channel Star albums of all time. See, I didn't listen to that one. Yeah. I, I forgot. I own it. I know. It's probably. I'm pretty sure if you play a song off of it, I know the song, but I don't uh-huh. know the album like that. What are some of your favorite white girl anthems, Ricardo? Uh, Move Along. Uh, of course. I love All American Reject. Um, I love that music video. I mean, Sugar, We're Going Down. Uh, uh, Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy. Mm-hmm. AFI. Hey, uh, okay, Miss okay, Murder. okay. Pop quiz. Okay, finish the lyric. You're going down, down. And you jigger around. Sugar, we're going down swinging. I'll be a number one with a bullet. Uh, with a Louisville shotgun, cock it and pull it. Wow. <laughs> that's it. See? Yeah, right? Yeah, that should be it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the lyrics myself, so I'm just going to say that you're right. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. it. Because it's all about guns, that yeah. song. Yeah, it's all about guns. But you know what? Like, like that song, Sugar We're Going Down, I spent most of the time singing it at the top of my lungs, but I was mumbling the whole entire fucking time. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're not the only <laughs> one. I'm pretty sure uh, Sixth Grade Ricardo was also yeah. mumbling most of the uh, the lyrics to that song, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but what makes a good white girl anthem, in your opinion? To me, it's the overtopness, the oversensational, sad, dramatic lyrics, and just that chorus that just hits different, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And then that, and then that, that, that memorable, if if there is one, that memorable music video. That's like, I remember waking up at six six a.m. for school, turning on MTV, and that was playing already. Well, VH1. Yeah, on VH1. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it wasn't a song that I could, as a sixth grade girl who had never had a boyfriend before, if it wasn't a song that I could sing at the top of my lungs. About the man that like loved me and left me and deserted me, even though he didn't exist yet, then that wasn't the white girl anthem for me, man. Like and, I needed something different. <laughs> and what's really ironic about this conversation is that this is literally what record executives talk about, like in board meetings. It's like, like, they're, like thinking about like songs to like sell to artists, like songwriters, like certain songs that songwriters can like give to like an Avril Lavigne or a Kelly Clarkson, and be like, can you imagine girls like this? dance getting ready to go out on a friday night um, or like jumping up and down on while jumping bed, up and down can you imagine singing into a hairbrush yeah. bro, if you cannot sing into a hairbrush to a song it is not a white girl anthem exactly and they're like they're like can you imagine that nope then it doesn't get played you know mm-hmm. it's not getting on the radio it's, it's, not, not, it's not going in the top it's 40 not, it's, not even, it's not even getting produced the song's not even be, gonna be written you know um like fuck every white guy in a business suit you and i just need to like start on our own like record producing company mexicano and like we will make like white girl anthems no but that, that's that's what i'm saying like the uh-huh. irony is that that these songs are made to be earwormed and super catchy and super commercialized mm-hmm. and we are playing to their hands we are eating it up oh, yeah, yeah. like shamelessly uh, and, and, yeah shamelessly shameless. like like yeah like no you know i don't believe in guilty pleasure so you know go ahead and listen to these songs it's just funny when i really start thinking about it the uh the inner creative music side of me that's like this is just commercialism they just want my money they, they just want spins on you know on top 40 radio but okay. i'm he- but i'm here for it who are you who are your top five white girl anthem artists you know from like my chemical romance from fallout boy from uh, Hillary Duff, from Kelly Clarkson, name Mama. No, uh, top three. Top, top three, three: Hillary Duff, MCR, Kelly Clarkson. Okay. Yeah, and I would. I would Kelly Clarkson is a strong ass contender. I want to. I want to say Adele because she has a very strong a white girl anthem, but she came a little bit later. Yeah. Adele, I feel what, like what, what was Adele's Adele first w- album? Like eighteen or seventeen? Seventeen, right? I think it's, I when know. they come out, two thousand nine, ten. 
But remember, because she named her albums after, after her, her age. age. How, how old she was? I think it was 17. She was young. She was like, or was it 19? It could have been 19. I think it was 19. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know. This is not the podcast. Either way, either, either way, that song's amazing and has yeah. a lot of hits. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I love rolling. Yeah. I love rolling the deep. Like, ooh, like, I, I don't know. Would you consider that a white girl? That's I just think a good so. ass song. I think that's so. Good, that like, is I feel not a white girl I, like Adele to me is amazing because she uh, crosses that that um what do you call it? Uh, she she the genres. She crosses. Yeah, she crosses genres to where she has that 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 teen girl uh pop traditional pop audience, uh-huh. but she can but she also has the wine mom audience and also Ooh, and she also has the and then, and, then, and then like that's the that's like the extreme of like the spectrum right but yeah. in the middle you have the hood dudes because you know the hood loves adele you have the 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 hispanic girls like yourself who love adele uh you have just this giant fat like the adele's like she 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 just that's crosses actually on my bucket list like i want to desperately take my mom to an adele she crosses concert. genres like like she like, really does. like she's amazing you know shout, shout out to her except for that time she wore that the, that weird hairstyle in jamaica uh, that, I'm still kind of weird about that, but you yeah, know, but yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, we all make mistakes. Shout out to a, shout out to Adele. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think. What are my top three that white girls love to sing to? Let me see. No, oh, I KT. Said, I would, no, KT Tunstall. Remember where she's suddenly I see. Oh no 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 no! My number one white girl. My number one white girl with white girl anthem songs, Natasha fucking Bedingfield. That is my white girl artist of all time. I love that one. Well, for like white girl anthems, obviously. Like, um, oh, dang it, what's that song? Uh, Pocket Full of Sunshine? Do you, think that, do you think that song, Pocket Full of Sunshine, went into legendary status when it was used in uh, EZA? Oh, it was all, it was the shower scene. Much, yeah, but it was already, it was, obviously, the shower scene was relatable like cemented to it. every human right. being alive. It cemented it. Like it was already a big song before yes. that. But you know what? Like what song I loved before Pocket Full of Sunshine? It was unwritten. This one is still unwritten. Mm-hmm. Before you and wash up dirty window. Take the hose and wash the car and wax on, wax off, or whatever it was. Yeah. It was awesome. It was amazing. Were you a big Reliant K fan? I knew it. I knew it. I'm just like, you know what band I'm about to bring up? Reliant K. Reliant K. You like like Lighthouse too, right? Oh, yeah. Reliant K. Daltrey? Okay, Daltrey. Okay, 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 okay. So I'm formulating my top three right now. That's more confession. And of course, the one we were playing earlier, uh, Hawthorne Heights. Ohio's for Lovers. Yeah, Ohio's for Lovers, Hawthorne Heights, Lighthouse, Natasha and Bedingfield. Owl City, Firefly. I mean, uh, I don't know. I was, I was actually, I actually went to school with a lot of guys that loved Owl City, and I was just never a big fan. Um, Jason Mraz, but I wouldn't necessarily call his music white girl anthems. You know, uh, that's that's like he's a whole different category all on its own. Um, but yeah, no, I I would definitely say Natasha Bedingfield is my number one for sure. What we got next, Veronica? Okay, so. What we have next uh, is uh, we're taking sort of a turn from Natasha and Bedingfield to uh, some news that happened earlier this week. There was a release of a body cam footage that happened in Chicago. The footage was from March 29th and unfortunately a a young 13-year-old boy by the name of Adam Toledo on the footage was seen to have been shot 
by an officer. So if you watch the footage, which, you know, folks, mi gente, because it's the internet, you're going to be able to see it everywhere. You're going to uh, be able to find it so you can look it up if you want to. But essentially, it's the police officer chasing the the 13-year-old boy down. And when the boy turns around after the officer screams at him to, you know, uh, put his hands up in the air, him having no weapon, the officer shoots him down and uh, he uh, he dies, obviously, from the gun wounds and the gunshots and all of that. Obviously, as to be expected, there's uh, quite a bit of uproar in Chicago right now because of it. A lot of uh, peaceful protesting going on. Um, a lot of people really disturbed and really confused by everything that's happening at the moment. Yeah, so really super super unfortunate event especially with uh the more recent uh other incidents that have happened with a uh, police officer than uh you know black men hispanic men uh particularly the video of what happened in uh, minneapolis mm-hmm. i know you know about that one with uh dante wright mm-hmm. who was um how long ago did that one happen that was a week prior mm-hmm. yeah, i think that was uh april i'm looking at it right now that happened april 11th and so that, it was a week prior from when the footage was released. But yeah, 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 when it yeah. Happened. yeah. Yeah, the event, the event with uh, Adam Toledo happened in March, but the footage was released just this past week, and mm-hmm. the Dante uh, Wright incident happened happened, happened the week prior. Okay. Yeah. So it's just a lot of things going on right now with that, and you know, eventually we'll be coming up on the anniversary of the George Floyd um, murder, which happened on Memorial Day weekend. So. Just to have this happening now and and then knowing that that is, you know, on the horizon, it's just, it's a lot to deal with. And I watched the video myself. I think the full video was like, of Adam Toledo, the the full thing is like four minutes and it's just, it's it's a hard watch, you know, just thinking of like this kid thinking about people I know his age, thinking about, you know, my brother and stuff like that. And just because your brother's around that age too, right? How old is he? 13. 13. So he's the same age as Adam. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about that and just seeing how fast he just dropped with that one shot. And then and then seeing the, the officer, the same guy who just shot him, try to, like, you know, uh, resuscitate him. Try to, like, keep him alive. And you see, like, the paramedics get there. And it's just, it's a very, you never realize how something, how morbid something can be when you're, like, watching it in real time. You know, just watching the minutes go by. Same thing with the George Floyd thing. George Floyd, like, if you watch that whole video oh, yeah. and you see, you know, how long he uh he had his uh his knee on his neck I can't. and just I watching can't. it the whole time and just like not fast forwarding not just watching it and it's just it just it's like time stands still. yeah it, yeah it like t- time feel like it's not gonna end and it mm-hmm. just it just dawned on you that this is so messed up on so many levels and this it shouldn't have ended this way it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been escalated this this to this level. And here's the thing that's really frustrating and really infuriating for me. Because, and you've seen me, you know automatically what I go to is that whenever something like this happens, and unfortunately, like, I have to use, and it's unfortunate that I even have to use that phrase whenever something like this happens, because in our lifetime, this has become all too common. I automatically... I automatically go to the Fox News coverage of it. You know, I automatically go to conservative news sources because I want to know how they spin it. I want to see their perspective from it. 
because naturally through algorithm and naturally through like NBC or CBS or all of those uh, other facets, we're going to see a more moderate to left hand view of things, you know, and we already understand that and we already know that and we already know what that comes from. But me, I want to see how they can through the minds and through their version of the media or their play on the media, how they can justify such actions. And I did the same thing when the shooting of Adam Toledo happened, you know, and we played the Fox News coverage of it. And it's funny, you see you see the reporters talking about this incident. And one of the things that I noticed that um, that they made sure to point out was the fact that while the while the officer was chasing the 13-year-old boy, supposedly the officer believed that Toledo was holding a gun in one of his hands and when he turned around to put his hands up in the air, the boy had his hands up in the air. When he turned around to put his hands up in the air, he had tossed the gun behind him and that's when the officer shot. And then you see the commentators, the news commentators on the Fox News say things along the lines of, this officer has like, one sixteenth of a second, whatever, to react. How is he supposed to know that the 13-year-old kid was going to toss the gun behind him or if he was going to turn around and shoot the officer himself? You know, he just, he reacted naturally. And, like, I, and they made the argument that not all of us would have, like, you can't say for sure whether any of us would have made the same decision in that same situation because we're never put in those kinds of situations. That sort of thing. So how do you feel about that? I find it very ironic because it, it it always leads back to this thing to where, yeah, you you don't know what you would do. And I hate when they spin it with that. It's always mm-hmm. like, you don't know what you would do if you were in that scenario. True. Most people wouldn't know what to do. But it's been... it's been Because a, we didn't choose that profession. Exactly. Exactly. So don't try to like pin it back on like the, the, the regular citizen watching it that, oh, they wouldn't know how to react to we that. We weren't specifically that, that's such a That's such a cop-out when when people throw out those those like... That, that statement. I find it ironic because, yes, of course, most of us probably wouldn't know how to act, act in those situations, but it's been implied and assumed that you have gone under the necessary training to know when to assess a, a situation to where you feel like your life is threatened, right? And even then, your first action shouldn't be a shot directly to the chest. If anything, if anything, you felt that shoulder? he... Shoulder, leg, foot, man. Like, Come on, you have the upper hand. You literally, if we can see that that, that those arms were up through the through that little body cam, that if we saw that, and him being there in real life, he couldn't tell that somebody had their arm up, and you had the advantage by having a weapon point. That's all you needed at that point. You could have held the weapon up and not shoot, and and arrested him properly, put the handcuffs on him, and then if he had a gun, which we still don't know if he did, look around, and you know find whatever weapon on the ground and then you know proceed you know proceed as normal take him to the station whatever it's just these this reaction and these and i think i read somewhere that he was like a 30 year old veteran of the military prior to joining the uh i don't even know i read i read i was reading a bbc article he i think he's uh he was like a 30 year old veteran of the military and i remember i put this up on twitter early this week where i said the police officers want the respect of the military without being held accountable like the military to the levels of, of the military. military because without the training without all of that exactly and i put an example on a thread on, on that same tweet where i said if you're ever in country somewhere you know afghanistan iraq uh syria 
boots on ground and you see somebody that you label as a threat, right? Uh, maybe they're part of some sort of terrorist group. They have a weapon. You, see, you clearly see they have a, a rifle, but they decide to instead run off in the other direction, and but you decide to pursue and shoot. Mm. You know what repercussions that can have? Yeah. At that point? Because even if you perceive him as a threat, but he did not engage, take it upon yourself to shoot, you can um, be sure that you're going to be held accountable for that and possibly put in, you know, jail or, or have repercussions that are very severe. Yeah, and I mean, and the thing is, is that as the as the military, as the freaking military, you have those standards, and it's difficult for me because I have family that is part of law enforcement, you know, and we take a lot of pride in that, and we and like it, it's it, it gets to be a very complicated thing when you're a minority that is part of the system in and of itself, but then when you see one of your own being attacked in such a way you don't know how to process that and you don't understand how people keep can keep justifying those kinds of actions without and just labeling it as like self-protection is like they're there to serve and protect us at the end of the day it i i don't know it just like it 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 bothers me especially because one of the reasons that i saw around the internet that they were starting to blame adam toledo's mother and all of this, because you know, people will find any way to spin anything, is that that part of the part of the webcam that wasn't released until recently was another officer's webcam where they were actually chasing down somebody that Adam Toledo was hanging out with. I believe that his name was Roman or something like that. And when they caught up to him, they're like, "Hey, do you know Adam?" And he was denying it. He's like, "No, I don't know the kid." Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Because basically, they're saying that Adam Toledo, he was a 13-year-old boy hanging out with a bunch of, like, 20-year-olds that were up to no good and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And because of his mom letting him hang out with the wrong crowd, that got him into a certain situation where he ended up getting shot by this police officer, which to me is the biggest stretch that you could possibly make. I don't understand where you could turn around and turn because it's offensive on so many. His her son just died at the hands. I just I don't get it. Yeah, and I and I do remember seeing a lot of those comments, uh, particularly on Twitter, where people were like, "Well, what is he doing out on? Uh, what is he?" Because I think the time it was like early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think it was like two a.m. Yeah. And I think people were like, "Well, what is what is the parents doing, letting their son out at two a.m.? What is you know this yeah. and that? It should be the parents." I'm like, and I, I hate those 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 like those statements and those like opinion those opinions that oh if it wasn't for this this wouldn't happen to it, it wasn't for the, the mom was looking out i'm just like like i don't think people understand just how no matter how well adjusted a kid is right and i'm not a parent myself but i, I like to believe that as a parent you can only so much be vi- uh, vigilant of your kid and look over him you know because they're bound to do something that you know whether it be sneak out maybe hang out with the wrong crowd you can't be there 24 7 mm-hmm. and i don't and i and you know could the parent be a little bit more there sometimes? Yeah, of course. They can always do but, more. But, I mean, regardless, I mean, that's almost, yeah. that's completely beside the point. The fact is, at the end of the day, it's a matter between life and death. And in that moment, in that moment when Adam Toledo's life could have been taken or could have been salvaged, at the end of the day, it was between him and the officer and nobody else it wasn't you know the circumstances of what his mom didn't do 
did or didn't do last week. Like, don't put that on her. Do not put that kind of grief on that woman. That is probably the cruelest thing that anybody could do right now. As a mother, like, as a mother, you don't, you don't do that. You don't. Yeah, and I think what's even harder is kind of get into those conversations about, like, you know, like we do all the time. When, when we see these things happen, like, what should you do, you know? Because what should that person do in, the, in that moment? Because let's say Adam did have a, had, have a gun on him, right? Mm-hmm. You want to say, hey, just stand there, let them search you. You're, you're going to get in trouble for sure for having a, an unlawful firearm on you. And you're probably going to go to, you know, juvenile or something like that. But at least you're not dead. You know, with all these things start coming in, like, what is the right way to proceed? Because a lot of times we always hear the worst thing you can do is, is run. run. Is run. Because at that point, you know that they're that they're coming for you. You know that, yeah. that, that whatever you do, whatever motion, you know, whether it be you cutting a corner too fast, whether it be you, you know, reaching to your pocket for something, whatever you do at that point when you decide to leave, that could be probably, and you decide to finally stop or turn around and make like a quick, you know, little, little, little flinch that could, could be, be the last decision you ever make between life or death. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, like, I don't know. There's no easy way to say that. Oh, maybe you should have stayed. Maybe you should have. No, it's good that he ran. There's no easy and clear, concise way of saying what is right and what is wrong in those situations. When you have somebody on the other end that is, that is fearful of a kid, you know, that's, and that's the thing that like saddens me. I'm just like, bro, like this is a kid, man. You're you're scared of a kid, and like reading that he was like a 30 year old veteran. I know you've seen some stuff of like probably grown men like with rifles pointed at you, but you're afraid of a kid, and you're and you're so easy to be. Should have. Uh, I just. I don't. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. You know. Um. But yeah, we'll be praying for Adam Toledo. We'll be praying for his family. We'll be praying, and I mean, I I hate. I sincere I hate I hate that that's how we end that segment and I hate that like in essence that feels like all that we can do for right now and I'm sure between now and then we'll look up a couple of things you know uh if uh, possible if we find anything we'll uh post up some links some places that we can go to uh, uh some places that you guys can go to if you're interested in me hinted to like donate or to see what we can do in our part to help you know because in moments like this we feel so helpless we feel like we have a lot of emotions and we have a lot of confusions and we also have a lot of weird ass desensitization like we're all of this is very very normal and still very very disturbing like we're both we're sickened by it but it's like this familiar sickening and i just I want to take a moment to remind you guys all that, that there, there is still hope out there. There's still something that we can do. And uh, if there's a if there's something that's possible to do, we're going to find out in our own small way. And it'll be linked in the show notes, me hint this. So, um, yeah, just keep um, Adam and his family and everybody in your thoughts. And uh, uh, we'll make sure to put any actionable things uh, in the show notes as well. Yeah, rest in peace to, uh, rest in peace to him. You know, condolences to the family. You know, shout out to the Rasa and Little Italy, uh, Little uh, Little Village, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you know, shout out to the whole Chicago. Mm-hmm. All right, and up next we have Ricardo's Conspiracy Corner. So this new segment is going to end up taking uh, place at least this week uh, from uh, what the hell Twitter instead of Que Maldito tweeted. Ricardo wanted to switch things up a little bit, and uh, 
give us his latest conspiracy for this week. So lay it on me, Mexicano. Yeah, so like like she said, it's not a replacement for What the Hell Twitter, but it's just going to be something interchangeable. Maybe one week, What the Hell Twitter, another week, Conspiracy Corner. And I'm, and I'm going to think of like a little little like intro, little, a little like... Jingle. Little, little, ooh, ooh, like very, you know, <laughs> you know uh, X-File X. So I'll insert it somewhere right here. Let me pause right quick. Conspiracy Corner. Yeah, it's going to be right there. So, Ricardo's Conspiracy Corner. So, this is a little fun segment, and I want to keep this very short, very brief, because ultimately not to, like, go super in-depth, but I just want to, like, really present it for people who may have not ever heard of this stuff. Maybe you have. You know, if you're into conspiracy theories and you like watching stuff like this on YouTube, like I myself do, and and watch, Ver- and watch Veronica's face not give one ounce of crap while, we, while I watch this. It's all bullshit, but okay. Um, there's this, uh, and before, just to kind of preface, like, what inspired me, so, there's this, uh, iceberg conspiracy list, which people who are, who are, if you're on the internet enough, you probably know what the iceberg tier lists are, and, uh, I know Veronica, I know I put her on it, like, the iceberg, I love like, that, I love those, those you are know, fun. basically, to put it very simple, what's at the top of the iceberg is stuff that, you know, is very commonly known, as you keep going down, there's more and more and more obscure stuff, and then the topics range from, you know, sports to conspiracy theories to music to you know specific artists like Kanye, David Bowie, whatever what you know whatever floats your boat. You can make an iceberg about anything, and it just you know the the deeper it goes, the more obscure, the most the more crazy, the more like underground information. You exactly. Uh huh. So you know, same thing goes with conspiracy theories. So I'm starting at tier one. You can find this list on Reddit, and I think on 4chan as well. And let me just read you right quick the description of tier one right quick uh tier one is called crazy head and they and the description they have is mainstream conspiracies and unsolved mysteries most of this stuff is well documented and known to a good portion of the western citizen uh, of the western citizens yeah a lot of common theories may be grouped into in broader terms or may not even appear on the chart at all considering their meaning and popularity so that's that's tier one Crazy head. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many tiers are on this thing? There are ten tiers in total. And each one of them has like a lot, like eighty per per tier. So the one up, the conspiracy I'm talking about uh, tonight is the Bilderberg Group. Now the Bilderberg Group is apparently wait, build a bear. Bilderberg. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant like Bilderberg, like Bilderberg Workshop. No, no, okay. no. So the Bilderberg Group is actually a meeting that is held every single year. In private, by world elites, I think it's like Western, like American economists and like European governments get together in some like probably some uh, country club somewhere very remote in the United in the United States, I think, or or overseas every year, and they ho- hold this meeting where they talk about the the conspiracy that they talk about capitalism and the way to shape the world and make sure that the people who are in charge stay in charge and, and you know New World Order Illuminati type rhetoric is being spun spun here um and they they allow no press no press can can get in and you can't take any notes while you're in there either so super secretive some of the top people in the world reagan obama clintons they have all been been documented as, as attending this meeting um so very powerful people and like i said this is one of the ones that has a little bit more legs to it I, what they talk about people still don't know what they're talking about you know like i said illuminati and the, the craziness that you can get into that hole when you start talking about New World Order and the people who run the actual world. 
you know, that's all up for debate is like what's actually talked about. But the fact that it happens is real. The stuff does happen every single year. So they're kind of like the Freemasons or, or the Masons or whatever that they have around like the South. I mean, I mean, the Freemasons are all around the world. Well, I don't know. Like, I, I just know that like there's some people around here that are called Masons and they have like these secret meetings or whatever. Yeah. Nobody really knows what they do there. And da -da 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 -da. I know. I know what Masons do. I'm not going to tell it here, but I mean, I, I've had some Masons. <laughs> What? Well, I mean, I have Mason friends. They've told me, like, what, what, oh, what's the Oh, so meaning. you know what to... Okay, so yeah, is it, like, anything I nefarious? I mean, I mean, the conspiracy... I mean, that's How come they've told you? Like, literally, I have a best friend whose, like, stepdad is a Mason, and he won't tell her what what goes on in the meetings. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, Like, I it's super top secret. Like, they wear special hats and everything. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Like I said, I mean, there's, and there's different type of Masons, too. Masons too. Um... That's a different conspiracy because Masons fall into the whole Illuminati, New World Order type of thing that, you know, but in reality, a, a Freemason is, it's nothing nefarious. Like the, like just based on what it is, it's nothing, it's nothing like crazy. But like I said, there is a conspiracy for Freemasons. That's for another day. We won't get on that. So yeah, that's it. Bilderberg Group, World Elites, getting into a meeting, talking about who knows what. All right. And that was Ricardo's Conspiracy Corner. Uh, outro jingle, since we don't have one right now. I won't have an outro jingle. Din, 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 din. No, no, don't hold your, don't hold your breath on the outro jingle. <laughs> <laughs> just an intro for now. Maybe, maybe eventually, but we'll just, we'll just keep it at the, uh, the intro. Okay. All right. So what we have next after this, Ricardo, is actually your unpopular opinion is one that I hadn't heard of you really get into. Let me know what it is. Oh, my unpopular opinion is that uh, sprinkles on ice creams are useless. They don't really add anything to the ice cream. Uh, I think, in, in fact, I think they kind of get in the way. And I think they almost water down an ice cream. I think it's almost like how people say you're not supposed to put ketchup on a really good steak. <laughs> I feel like... It, I, so you think sprinkles are the ketchup, are the ketchup of, good ice cream. of good ice cream? Yes. And I'm standing by it. That's the hill I'll die on. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. So you feel that way about sprinkles. How do you feel about whipped cream? You know, like whenever they put like whipped cream on a Sunday. Whipped cream's on an cool. Ice cream Sunday. I never, I've never had a problem with whipped cream like you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's different. I've, I've recently warmed up to whipped cream. Before that, I was like, why? I had the same opinion of whipped cream as most people, uh, as uh, I did of cotton candy. Like, why would you willingly just eat air? Because that's all whipped cream really is. Whipped cream and cotton candy is just like you eating air. You put it in your mouth and then it's gone. You know, there's no satisfaction. There's no texture. I don't know about maybe cotton candy, but I don't know about whipped cream because isn't there like actual like milk? There's some sort of dairy in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's condensed milk. Or I don't know. Yeah. But for the sake of argument, okay, like I need my food to like stay with me for a little while, you know, to like caress my tongue, you know, to be in between my teeth. Like that is what I need out of like, you know, the the things that I ingest. Yeah, but to me, <laughs> to me, whipped cream isn't like uh, a whole meal. You make it sound like like somebody's like putting whipped cream on a plate and just so having that for dinner. So why do you find sprinkles so pointless then? Well, no, but what I'm saying like like I feel like you do. You, so do you feel the same way about sprinkles the the way? I mean, do you feel the same way about whipped cream the, the way I describe sprinkles? Because to, to me, it sounds like like you're talking about it like a whole meal. And I'm yeah. like, when I think about 
um, sprinkles or whipped cream. I'm just like, it's just like a, an additive, you know? It's just something you just add to like give it a well, little bit of... Well, the same thing with sprinkles, you know? Like there's no... The thing is, I actually agree with you, Mexicano, because the thing with sprinkles is that they don't have a taste. That is my biggest problem with sprinkles. They don't, have a, that... t- they don't have a taste and the ones that do have a taste is so artificial and fake that it ruins ice cream. That's what I hate about you, it the most. You think it ruins the whole scoop, bro? Yeah. The whole scoop. Uh, you know, I hate salt sprinkles so much. You know that pan dulce that has the sprinkle on it? Uh-huh. I hate that. I hate that, too. That's my I, brother's favorite. I think it ruins the, the, the pan. crazy, bro. Yeah. You think it ruins the pan? Yeah. Like, for real. For like, real. I'll, like, I'll, like, pick away at the sprinkles like that. But that, just, I, that just makes you a joyless child. That's what it was. I feel like I did like it at one point. Uh-huh. Like, the kid. But as I grew up, I'm like, man, this stuff is annoying. It's getting everywhere. My floor is covered in sprinkles now. I'm, I got sprinkles on my shirt. you don't shirt. even get any satisfaction out of it. No yeah, flavor. Exactly. And, they, and especially if they put a lot on it, it just gets it's like everywhere. It's like salt if salt wasn't salty. That's literally what sprinkles are. I feel like sprinkles are plastic. I feel like it's like literally like pieces of plastic that I'm chewing on. Mm-hmm. Like it's that bad. Who likes sprinkles? Who honestly likes sprinkles? I don't know. If Have you, you ever like, met an adult who really likes sprinkles? I don't know. If you like sprinkles, you guys, uh, DM us or send us an email at inlivingspanglish at gmail.com. Like, what are they adding to you? Is it just like, maybe like nowadays? Because maybe it's I, just the color. Maybe it just brings like pizzazz into your life. No, what I was about to say, like, is it, is it for like the, the aesthetic of it that like you're about to take a picture of it and post it on the gram? Like if it's that, then well, sprinkles co- and uh, like sprinkles and existed before Instagram. They have, but I'm just saying, like I can understand people wanting to sprinkle on it now more than back then, mm. because you can like look pretty, and you can post it to like <laughs> the public. I guess. I don't know. Like yeah, call yeah, yeah. call me call me strange, call me weird, whatever. I think sprinkles so are pointless. They're pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, my unpopular opinion this week. I think the same type of people who hate Snape from Harry Potter are the same type of people that hate Helga from Hey Arnold. I feel like this is going to be a really heated uh, discussion just because of the fact that I need someone to call in. I say I keep saying call in like people are like, I, like this is an actual live show. I need someone to like email us in and let me know, mi gente, let me know why you hate Snape so much. Because I still don't get it. I know that Snape from Harry Potter, you know, he wasn't nice to Harry. And it was because, you know, he had a crush on his mom when he was younger. Harry reminded him of the offspring that James and Lily had together when Snape could have been with Lily himself. That made him resent Harry and that made him, like, be emotionally abusive to Harry. I get that. That's bad. That's shitty, okay? But Is Snape the ultimate cuck? What? A cuck. What's a cuck? A cuck is somebody who feels like their girl is, well, a wider range of definitions, but <laughs> in, tra- in the tradition. I, I want to know where you, uh, I want to know where this is in going. The, in the traditional sense, uh-huh. a cuck is somebody who has a girl, but their girl is being uh, satisfied by another man. First off, yeah. then that doesn't make her your girl. That's, what I'm, that's a cuck though, and you accept it. Like and 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 one of his and and like and and that could be seen as either a fetish or you're like so helpless and, and such like a I hate saying this but such like a ins, ins, I, I was about to say weak but you're very insecure about yourself that you're afraid of losing her so you rather not rock the boat and let her keep doing that that's a cuck. Like, that's so a snake the ultimate on, cuck. That's no, that's like fucked up on so many levels. First off, like it happens though, and like I said, some people do it for fetish. And that's between the partners, and they love it. It's but whole, like women 
have been like having to put up with that through the like through the very beginning of time like there's so many women especially in the latina like latinx hispanic community that they know that you know their husbands or whatever están están saliendo uh por la noche and doing who knows what but they'd rather like just cover up their ears and not know about it you know and soon as, and so long as they're like home before the sun is up you know they're not gonna ask any questions you know does that make every woman every hispanic not every hispanic woman but a lot of hispanic women cucks no it, well cucks only a part of men and, and it's also not about see but, but you would describe it like as long as i don't find out about it they clearly know what's going on mm-hmm. and they allow it because they're exactly. like i said that's what you described snape as is like the, 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 well, i'm just bringing up we cuck is a different conversation we don't have to go into it yeah, continue yeah, with yeah. your point oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a different <laughs> like I, I, i'm surprised you don't even know about it but then again yeah no i didn't know what a cuck was yeah but then again you're not on the internet like that so no no, no i ain't on the internet i've never heard of that word before okay all right so snape he might be the ultimate cuck who knows but he also I feel like the people who hate Snape would also hate Helga from Hey Arnold. Because if you think about it, you know, the people that harp on Snape for being emotionally abusive towards Harry, what was Helga G. Pataki but hella emotionally abusive? Not physically, but I don't think that she ever actually beat up Arnold or anything like that. And obsessive. Like, think about it. Like, this woman had a shrine of the man made out of bubblegum. She would stand out in front of his apartment and just jump rope and look into his window waiting for him to come out. She would blackmail people until, uh, into letting her take over a uh, role starring the opposite of him so she could pretend to kiss him on stage in a play. You know, this girl, she was sprung, to say the least. She was sprung in probably the most toxic ways possible. So... Are you going to give Helga an out because she's 10 years old, you know? Um, Or are you going to hold her to the same level of accountability as you would Snape from Harry Potter? These are the questions that plague my mind at 2 o'clock in the morning when I can't sleep. I don't think they're even in the same ballpark, like thinking that people who hate Snape hate Helga. I don't really know anybody who hates Helga. I think I find people. I know people. It's who, because no, nobody ever talks about Hey Arnold nearly as much as they should. They sh- definitely should. Hey Arnold is, Hey Arnold is not very underrated, but it is very under discussed. Yeah, a lot. You know, not, people yeah. talk about Harry Potter all day, freaking long, and that's fantastic. It's it's a it's a wonderful series. There's a lot to discuss within it, but there's a lot to discuss within Hey Arnold. Like you think about like the representation of minorities and classism and all of these different things that Hey Arnold touched on that doesn't get talked about. And I think that like how Helga treated Arnold is a discussion for the ages as much as it is the relationship between Snape, Harry, and his mom, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, I think they're both valid in their discussions. I just don't see your comparison to like... How, how can I, you not? Because they were both emotionally abusive to someone well, that they cared about or that they should have cared and here, about. And here's my point. Was Helga really emotionally abusive? Because yeah. Yeah, No, you got to remember, Arnold... By she that was show- manipulative. No, Arnold, by that account, is the most dense person ever. He never realized what was going on. So by that account, he what? doesn't. Know- <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. So is he? Like, what do you mean? Like, he doesn't. Know- Obviously, he didn't know that she. She liked him, and like whatever she. I, I feel like that Nigel was in denial. No, no, and whatever, and whatever he did, and whatever she did, uh-huh. he never understood what what was going on for yeah. the most part. He was always like, he just saw it as Helga being mean, but he never saw it as more as, as him. 
as him being emotionally abused. That's why I'm like, that's why I have a hard time being like, I don't but think But no, she, but you see it from, but that's like see, our I, responsibility as the viewers. Like we see from an eagle's eye point of view that, you know, Helga was really laying it on thick with Arnold to the point where, you know, all of this extra attention that she was paying to him, you know, it was it was really mean and it was really cruel. It takes two to tangle. I think ultimately she was being more emotionally abusive to herself at the end of the day. Than to, than to Arnold. Because like I said, I don't think that man knew what the hell was going on. Oh, that's, uh, well, well, no, but I, like she, he knew. Like he would get, there were certain episodes, there were certain things where he would get mad at Helga and he'd be like, why don't you just leave me alone? Like remember when he and like that hot teenage girl were trying to build a sandcastle together or whatever and, and Helga was trying to warn him that the hot girl was just using him to win the sandcastle contest and he just blew up at Helga for like the first time ever and she's like Helga why don't you stop like freaking out over every little thing I do and just leave me alone all you've ever done is bully me and be mean to me just like leave me be and like déjame en paz Helga yeah but that's that seems more like kids being annoyed by somebody and like why don't you stop bullying me exactly I don't think that is mostly abusive though you don't think bullying is emotionally abusive Mexicano I mean, I think it could get to that point, but I don't think what what's going on there with emotionally abusive. You don't think Helga was emotionally? I'm gonna put up a poll. Arnold was dense as hell. Like yeah, I said. but just because he doesn't realize he's being emotionally abused doesn't mean he was not emotionally abused. Like I said, I think she was the one being emotionally. It's just like herself. kids that don't realize that they were molested when they're kids. It's not until like they're in their like late twenties, like when you start recounting stories to your homies, like, oh wait, that was not normal, you know? Yeah, but either way. Well, I mean, even even without that, I don't think I don't think people hate Helga. I think people find her annoying and crazy, but I don't think people hate her. I I feel like people would be up in arms about Helga if, if anything they dared people love. If anything, people love Helga the same I way love, you do. No, no, I love Helga, and, like, and a lot of people love Helga this, too. Like not being anti, you know me. I'm the biggest Helga G Pataki fan there is. Like my screen name on the tweeted was practically Pataki. For the longest time, because I identify with that woman, you know, uh, her her angst, her her anger, her 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 artistic spirit, her poetry, her obsessions, you know, how passionate she was about things. I adored her, and I still do to this very day. You know, that's why I stand by her. And I mean, unless someone can argue with me something different, I still stand by Snape. I I mean, I don't think that he was a perfect character by any means. But neither was Helga, and neither neither are any of us. You know, it's just like they did what they thought was best with the emotional capacity that, that they had at the time. So, you know, that's just my unpopular opinion. But you also love the redemptive villain, and that's another conversation within itself. I do love the anti-hero. You do love, love the anti-hero. And that's, is that a toxic part of me? Who knows? It is. Whatever, homie. Okay, that is my unpopular opinion. We'll discuss that at a later date. Uh, but what do we have next? We got it on the uh, We have the very last segment of the show. You know, to wrap things up, we have L O getting lard ostracized. There you go. Or also, good looking out, human beings. This is where, this is where we tell you uh, what we've been watching lately, what we've been catching on the tube, on the streaming, on the nets, all of that good stuff. What I have for you is actually something that I've been watching for a couple of years, and I'm so sincerely that it's even take honestly that it's even taken me this long to even mention it because I am crazy about it. No pun intended. The Netflix 
underrated as hell hit series in the fourth season, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It was originally on the CW. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, so, before it moved over to Netflix. Before, and that's why it didn't pop the way you wanted it to pop, Vettel, because yeah. shows on the CW but, don't get love like that. Uh, okay, well, see, that's a very interesting point. But then you think about Riverdale. Riverdale was a CW. Yeah, I think uh, uh, CW shows, um, they have, like, those ones that stand out. Mm-hmm. But there's so much, it's like, it's like there's so much content on to the CW, so many shows that even the really good ones tend to get lost. And I but think that's what happened with this show. I mean, and to, to your point, there's not a lot of really good CWE shows, in nope. my opinion. Most of them are trash. Just, yeah, most of them are trash and really cheesy. But not my crazy ex-girlfriend. You guys, if you don't even take my opinion about it. Like, look it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, every single season of the show, every four of the seasons has, like, Anywhere from like 96 to 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, right? On Netflix stars Rachel Bloom and Vincent Rodriguez III. And it is a comedy about a really successful, badass white lawyer in the middle of New York. Very first episode has a nervous breakdown. Meets an ex-boy from, from summer camp and impulsively decides to leave everything she has behind her successful her career all the money all of that and relocate to chase this guy down in west covinas california this show is half musical half comedy half mental health public service announcement the more that you watch into the show yes there's a lot of music involved there's a lot of comedy involved Despite what the title says, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it's not necessarily a rom-com at all. And it's, yes, it's about uh, this woman, this almost 30-year-old woman, leaving everything behind, trying to chase this guy down and make this man fall in love with her. But there's so much more, like, undertones to this show. It's hilarious, but it has so much more to do with your mental health than anything else, with anxiety, with depression, how we handle like obsessive compulsive disorders, all of that. And it's all done under the guise of a ridiculous, obsessive woman trying to chase a man down. It's brilliant. It's one of the more nuanced things that has been shown about mental health that I've seen in a long time. Like the songs are super catchy. You watch women, you know, have bikini waxes and like bleed and, you know, sing about it. And I just, I, what are, what's some of the most ridiculous songs that you remember from the show that I forced you to watch? You gotta go. Sexy Getting Ready song. Sexy Getting Ready song. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sexy Getting Ready song is my jam. Um, uh, what was the one that uh, that Greg sang? Uh, I'm your second choice or what was it? Uh, I- I'm always here. Uh, just settle for me. Just yeah, settle. yeah. Just settle for me. Yeah, where, that, like, was, that was sad. Yes, where he's like chasing after Rebecca, even though he's she's obviously in love with. And this it was other like guy. A, it was and he's the, like just settle for yeah, me. Yeah, it, it was it was in the tune of like a 1940s swing song. Yes, yeah. yes. So they go from like rap to swing to everything in between, and it's all dealing about this woman trying to make this man fall in love with her. But underneath it all, it's about mental health, you guys, and it's like I said, I can't say enough good things about it. It's it's hilarious. It's super subtle in the messages that it tries to give you. And the songs are going to be stuck in your head in the funniest ways. My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on Netflix, all four seasons. If you haven't seen it yet, like catch up to it. I'm, it this is one of those shows where I'm sincerely surprised that nobody has talked about it on the internet. It's one of the more 
underrated things that I've come across. You know, usually I would think with something this good and this funny, like Shit's Creek, like it's 10 times. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. It, I feel like it's three times more hilarious and more poignant than Shit's Creek, but 10 times more underrated. So, you know, if you got the time, make the time uh, to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on Netflix. Uh, I give it a solid 9 out of 10 Veronica stars. And uh, I completely back her up on this. I'm usually the the the, 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 the contrarian when yeah. it comes to this stuff, but I... I forced you to watch it and you've grown. I, yeah, yeah, she forced yeah. me to watch it and I'm like forever appreciative because I love this show. Um there are a lot of like funny moments, like, a lot of them. Uh the clever humor, like really clever like humor, like the 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 the, the comebacks and like the way they like formulate like a joke and like the way it, like leads into like other things and the like continuity too. Like I noticed mm-hmm. like the little continuity of like the reference like back they to are like detailed as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And like and like the the structure of the songs too, the dance numbers, like man, like this like like hella like produced. I don't want to say overproduced, but it's just produced it extremely well. So yeah, definitely like yeah, I give it like Where a Where does sol- CW get this budget though? Like exactly. for real. I yeah, I give it a solid nine out of ten as well. Like mm-hmm. yeah, definitely go check it out if you haven't uh, on Netflix Craziest Girlfriend. You already know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what you got? You got it. Moving on to me, to me, I am presenting everybody with the Hulu original. It's been out since 2019, I believe. Uh, the, in my opinion, the smash hits, and I think it, I, I don't want to say it's underrated because I feel like a lot of people do uh, love it, but I think it's also one of those shows that just doesn't get talked about enough. Kind of like Crazy's Girlfriend is uh, Pen Fifteen. Mm-hmm. The I almost always accidentally call it penis, penis? all the time. I mean, that's a joke. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a joke. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, just like how you know. High school or middle school, they used to like write the name uh-huh. to like imply that exactly. Uh, it is a, and I forgot that this is actually a genre, and uh, this actually applies to Crazy Girlfriend because it falls into the same category. It's a cringe comedy, which for people who don't know, cringe comedy is something. I didn't know that was a. Thing. It's a thing. It is. It's like you want me to read some of like the other like shows that follow the cringe mm-hmm. comedy. So Crazy Girlfriend is on here, and this is just a short list. It's not everything. Uh, Louie, uh, Borat, The Office. Cur- Probably Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb, yep, exactly. Mindy Project is on here. And, you know, mm. cr- cringe comedy just has to deal with, you know, humor that derives from social awkwardness, ultimately. That is, like, my favorite yeah. genre. So, cringe comedy. So, this show was created by Maya uh, er- er- Erkin. Erkin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Erkskin. Erkskin, something like that. And Anna Conkle. Um, the show has a very interesting premise that I don't think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Where they themselves, they, they star in the, in the show themselves. And they're like 30-something-year-old women. Yes, they're 30-year-old women in real life. But they're playing themselves in middle school as 13-year-olds. And everybody else around them are also legit 13-year-olds. And it is some of the most awkward, but some of the most brilliant comedy interactions that I've seen in a, in, a, in, a, in a show in a very, very long time. And some of the heights that they take when it comes to like going there. You, t- you talk about shows going there. This show really goes there with like that that feeling where you have to like turn to the person in the room like you mean you have done plenty of time like this we'll be really watching ha- the show and it's like are they doing like this? is this really happening like I know are they like yeah and they do like they this do. is this is real like this happens I'm like but I don't need to see this you know yeah, kind yeah, of this thing. feels wrong like this is almost too too loyal to real life like yeah. I don't want to see this part of my life on screen like this is too much this is too honest for me and they they, like i said and they do such a great job same thing like with craziest girlfriend just to kind of you know piggyback off that clever writing uh stellar jokes 
just all around a great cast. Even like the child, the child actors that that play, they're like legit. Like you feel like, yeah, these are thirteen year olds. This is how thirteen year olds act. I think literally probably the most the funniest thing about like the show is how good they captured the awkward ass experience of being a sixth grader, seventh grader, of being that age again, and like getting into fights with your mom, and like going from that stage of like. I think that I think one of the things that Pin Fifteen does so well is not holding back on the teen on the preteen slash teenage girl experience. That how they do that is so rich, you know, because nobody ever really talks. We we have seen so many times, at least up until like my age of twenty eight, uh, twenty eight years old. I've seen so many cringe comedies. Now that I know the word of you know boys growing up and all of the like awkward things that they have to go through and you know like if they get like hard-ons in the middle of a classroom and oh no what do they do comedy ensues but you rarely get that sort of blatant not just oh no feel sorry for me my period has started but like legitimate cringe comedy like unapologetically cringy comedy from the experience of a preteen girl and pin 15 goes there they the fights that these 30 year old women playing 13 year olds have with their mothers that scene in the dressing room in the mall like that brought back so many uncomfortable flashbacks for me it was ridiculous yeah and it like really highlights a lot of the like you said, a lot of the real dilemma that a lot of girls that age face, whether it be trying in a to, social hierarchy, yeah, exactly, exactly, trying to join a club because they're trying to impress a certain boy, you know, uh, go over to the cool sleepover, mm-hmm. um, start acting in ways that you never thought you were capable of acting because you're because a pe- you're a people cool, uh, you're yeah, a people be- pleaser, yeah, because you're a people pleaser, and like a lot of times as girls, like, and you'll be lying if you tell me that you've never done this because I. I I, I'm going to sound really annoying when I say this, but I consider myself a pretty individualistic, uh, you know, kid, you know, I'd like to quote unquote follow the beat of my own drum or whatever the fuck. Uh, but at the same time, like, uh, I was just like any other girl, meaning that like, if I had a friend that liked a certain thing, there were times where I would cave in and I would do whatever the friend wanted to do because i wanted to be liked by that friend like there's the all of that like psychological emotional social hierarchy that goes into like being a preteen girl and trying to figure out who you are and trying to figure out what your opinion is not just what the groups and the crowd's opinion is uh just because you're in a group of other of other little girls with you and what the repercussion that can do to like your developing personality as you become a teenager and as you get older and like and like we sound like really like pseudo intellectual when we're describing we're describing what this like uh show is but do not forget me at the end of the day this is a comedy so it says all of these things while being hilarious and gross and vulgar as fuck and it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah yeah amazing like truly uh a work of art <laughs> like it's, it's amazing <laughs> a really like, gross art but yeah. yeah yeah and we're not even done i think we have like maybe two more episodes to watch mm-hmm. uh there's only two seasons so hopefully it gets picked pick up for a third um once again hulu original pen 15 uh amazing can't recommend it enough uh 10 out of 10 yeah yeah it's 10 out of 10 um j- and just to like c- cap this off 
this is what I wish Big Mouth was. I don't think I've ever expressed this, but mm-hmm. I, I I despise Big Mouth. I think it tries too hard. I think it's very unfunny. I loved the first one point five seasons, and then it got I got over it. Yeah, I I know people who like adore that show. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it. Never. It, they've, not, gotten, just, they've gotten too. They've gone too far. Yeah. it's been too much. No, this is what because like I feel like Big. This is what Big Mouth tried to be like that awkwardness of like being a kid in like high school, middle school. Mm-hmm. But Big Mouth, like I said, just didn't do it. Just shot way over the arc. This one hit the. Hit the bullseye. I feel like I was a very, very huge Big Mouth fan for like the first one and a half season. So like I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Big Mouth turned into the kind of thing that sometimes a lot of like fell into the curse that a lot of like animated shows sort of tend to fall into is because they think, oh, okay, so since we have the power of animation and we're a cringe or crude comedy, like. The bigger we go, the better. But sometimes, like you said, like they can overthrow, they can overreach to the point where it's just crude and it's no longer nuanced. It's no longer poignant. It's no longer filled with like, uh, like emotional underlayers of like, oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah, like a Bojack. Like Bojack could be crude and vulgar, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that's animated all the way. But it's it's it's. At, it's it's at this pace and at this cleverness where it's like where it's also telling you about like seek uh, about like these little nuggets of life you know that like you can't deny you know exactly so mm-hmm. i just want to throw that out there yeah, because yeah, yeah, i've yeah. never liked big mouth from the beginning so yeah if you're a big mouth fan i don't know how you sleep at night <laughs> whatever homie okay all right and with that human beings is our show in living spanglish thank you so much for hanging out with us now uh no olvida a sus Suscribir el podcast y compartirlo en todos los redes sociales. Yes. All right. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and also share us on all of your social media. And you know what? You're ready to go ahead. You know, write us a little some some on the iTunes review. Help us out with the algorithm. All of that good stuff. We love you. We love you. And just share it to your people who you work with in everyday yeah. life. Doesn't have to be strictly social media. You know somebody in real life that like podcasts? Recommend it to yeah, them. Yeah, that like random ass people. That hobo you see Helga on the street. And sprinkles and, you know, in the Latinx community, you know, all of that. Yeah. All, if all of that is a sandwich of deliciousness for you, share it with other people. Other people love those Latinx sandwiches too. Me yeah, the hobo on the street that just happened to have a smartphone as well, let him know too. For real, for real word. But we love you. Te amamos, te amamos. And uh, this has been Ilas. We out.